Hi, this is Robin McCauley. You are tuned in and listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to yet another episode of Focus on Metal. We have got a great show in store for you this week as we dive in deep with some discussion with the legendary vocalist Robin McCauley. Of course, Robin has had a long history in metal, most notably working with Michael Schenker, but done lots of other things as well, starting off his career with uh, Grand Prix, all kinds of stuff, and he's still doing it today. Of course, he's appearing in the Vegas show Raiding the Rock Vault, along with some of our other guests we've had in the past, including Paul Shortino and Doug Aldrich and all kinds of folks. So still staying very, very busy. And, of course, he also recently just recorded the song Anytime, and that is available up on iTunes. And as he describes in the talk we had with him, he, this time he was able to do it the way that he felt it should have been done. So Richie set this one up, and of course I guess that's a whole Irishman to Irishman connection there. Richie was very pleased with himself, and uh, matter of fact, I was too. Turned out to be a great interview. Robin was a killer guy to talk to, great sense of humor, always loved that in interview, cracking jokes, really good, uh, good repartee going back and forth, so great interview. I think everybody's going to enjoy it. And even though he did this with us right before he was heading out the door for another Raiding the Rock Vault show, he did spend lots of time with us, so much so that no track of the week this week. We're going right from me yakking right into our talk with Robin McCauley. So hope you guys enjoy it, and I will talk to you on the flip side of this. But before we launch into it, just want to throw one more thing out there in case you're not aware. It's been up on focusonmetal.blogspot.com. We posted it on Twitter, talked about it on other episodes, but the brand new online metal pro Merrick Media Focus on Metal compilation called Metal of Oz is out, is available. It's a free 40-track metal compilation disc. You can download it, and you can find links for that at focusonmetal.net. Just scroll down on the main page. You'll see a big old banner ad that tells you to click here. It'll bring you right over to the download. You can also find it on focusonmetal.blogspot.com. And on the right-hand pane, there's a little album cover graphic, album cover created by the one and only Maxwell Carlyle. Click on that. Same deal. It'll bring you over to the download link. Lots of bands on there. As I said, 40 tracks. And we've got Lords of the Trident on there. And Diamond Lane, Asriel's Bane, Van Laid, lots of bands that have been on Focus on Metal as well as a bunch of bands on there that you'll be hearing very shortly on Focus on Metal as well. So again, check it out. It's called Metal of Oz. As I said, it was put together by Online Metal Promotions, and uh, they did that through us as well as Merrick Media, who's one of the biggest music promotion companies in Australia, hence Metal of Oz. So again, check it out. I think you'll like a lot of the bands that are on there, and what the heck, it's free, right? And who doesn't like free? So uh, with that out of the way, let's get right into our chat with Robin McCauley. Hello, this is Robin. Hey, Robin, it's Richie from Focus on Metal. How are you? How are you, sir? I'm good. Right I'm good. on time. What a what a guy. Right on time, huh? Yeah. Oh well. I'm Irish. We're always on time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what part of what part of Ireland? I'm from Waterford. Oh my God. Yeah. Not too far away from where you're from. Not too far at all. So where are you now? I we're in Lowell, just outside of uh, Boston. I'm here with uh, my co-host Scott. Hey, Robin. Wow. De- definitely not Hello, Irish Scott. here. <laughs> <laughs> you're in Boston and you're not Irish out of that happen. <laughs> yeah. You must have been on the wrong you you're on the wrong boat. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, it was a way, way earlier one, so yeah. Oh I see. <laughs> well, how are you guys? We're great. We're great. I think if you're uh, if you're an Irish sports fan, today is a good day, Robin. I don't know what you heard, but uh Ireland Oh, I didn't hear the what what were the did they win today? They won, yeah. They qualified. Happy days. Yeah, a lot of hangovers in uh, in Ireland tomorrow. <laughs> oh, you know it. You know it. You know, shame about the rugby, though, huh? Ah, well, that's the way it goes. New Zealand are too I good. I guess. Yeah. Now, next time. Yeah, next time. So, would we, we, we just go into it? 
Yes, go straight to it. Yeah, sure. Do whatever you want. All righty. So i got a two-part question to start, Robin. Um, right. Why did you uh, decide to do Any Time uh, Now? And what made you pick that song in the first place to redo? Um, simply because uh, working here in Vegas uh, at Radio The Rock Vault, um, so many people night after night would say, hey, how come you don't do Any Time in the set? How come I... You don't do, uh, I can't find any time on iTunes. And coincidentally, October um, was the anniversary of us actually releasing any time from the Save Yourself, Macaulay Schenker, MSG uh, Mm -hmm. CD. And I had been contemplating for a while now um, if we shouldn't resurrect it, make it available on iTunes finally. So I'd been talking to Steve Mann, who I co-wrote the song with, um, and initially I had the idea that maybe we should approach it in a different fashion and make it a little bit more eclectic, maybe different instrumentation. So we kind of sat on it for a couple of weeks, and um, Steve lives in Hanover in Germany. Mm-hmm. So we, we made contact again, and we both agreed that People like it for what it is, and if we were going to do it, uh, it should be in October to sort of commemorate the release of it 26 years ago. <laughs> um, and that maybe we shouldn't change it too much, but maybe update it a little bit. There was a bunch of stuff, guitar licks, uh, different melodies on it that I always wanted in the original that, that we never got to for whatever reason. You know, it came out like it did. So that's what we did. We decided to go for it and uh, finally put it up on iTunes and we ramped it up a little bit. And that's really the only reason behind it, just to make it available on iTunes. Of course, when I went in to record it, I'm going, shit, I didn't sing this in 26 years. Well, at least I didn't record it in 26 years. Um, How's this going to be? But we're pretty happy with it. You know, it's exactly the same. It's a... Tempo is up a hair than it was in the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, guitars are a little heavier. There's a lot more guitar um, hook lines in it that I wanted on the original one. And uh, same key, all of the same stuff. So I was pretty happy. With the advances in technology with recording in the last 26 years, did you find that this was a little bit easier and gave you a lot more opportunities to do things with it just because of the way the technologies come along? Um. Yes and no. I mean, because at the end of the day, although you have the track recorded, Steve uh, recorded the track in Germany and sent me the files. And my job was basically to go in and reproduce, if you will, my vocals and harmonies and uh, make it sound the same, if not better. And that's always a difficult one when you're trying to improve on on an original, I have a real thing about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so technologically, yes, because, you know, he could send me the files and we didn't have to be in the same place at the same time, which is a, a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. And I basically did the vocals and knocked them out in about two hours, sent the files back. Um, we made our notes, uh, made our arrangement changes, and it was done pretty fast. So... From that aspect, I'm going. Damn, this this was great. Yeah. So under the next under the next one now, I'm yeah. not quite sure what it's going to be, but we've got some. I've got some ideas of some uh, some classic tunes that I've wanted to uh, attempt for for quite a long time. Plus, there's other unreleased material that we've probably put on there too. You think about going back and maybe reprising a Grand Prix song or two? Oh, there's a question. Um, I haven't thought about that. That's an idea. That's food for thought. I never actually thought about that. That might be an idea. Yeah, I mean, there was, you know, a lot of cool songs back there. I think a lot of people don't even realize that, that you were in that band for a while and stuff. And, and yeah. uh, you know, just give a little exposure to some of those tunes. No, that, that's a great idea. In fact, in fact, uh, we had a bunch of uh, people in from Scotland uh, a couple of weeks back who actually saw Grand Prix perform at the Apollo Theater in Glasgow, uh, opening up for Iron Maiden, which would have been uh, 
Bruce Dickinson's first Iron Maiden tour on the Peace of Mind tour, and I'm going, damn, you were there? <laughs> he goes, yeah, and so were you. <laughs> 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 so there you have it. Yeah. So that's not a bad idea. I might, I might actually consider that. Robin, do you know if, has Michael heard your remake yet? Does he know it's even out there? Um, I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, um, I know that Michael is pretty busy with his Temple of Rock. I think they're down in, maybe in Spain as we speak. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't commented on it yet. You know, it's not a song that, that uh, outside of our time together that he ever played in the set. I think he always viewed that kind of that that air uh, genre as, as music for housewives, <laughs> so it wasn't something that uh, he he would jump to start playing. Although having said that, um, that whole period was probably the only time he ever got um, MTV or VH1 exposure or mm-hmm. even daytime radio listening. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we talk a little bit about uh, what you're doing now with the rating the Rock Vault? Um, how did you get into that? And were you actually living in Vegas when that show started? No, actually, I had. Um, speaking of Michael Schenker, I had. Um, I had just completed a twelve-week tour with Michael here in the states, Canada, and Alaska. And uh, about a week after I came off the road with him, I got a phone call from uh, John Payne, who was Asia's bass player the John Payne version of Asia. And um, while I was, uh, just digressing a minute, while I was uh, spent my five or six years with Survivor, um, we had done, I think, one or two shows with Asia opening up for us. And so I've gotten to know John over the years. John called me and he goes, hey, i got some tracks to record. Are you interested? And there was really no more information on that. Went and met John in the studio. Picked a U2 song, a David Bowie song. Picked a Queen, We Are the Champions. Bunch of other stuff. And we recorded them. And then he gave me the whole story that Simon Napier-Bell and uh, Simon's partner, Sir Harry Cowell, had an idea of uh, putting an all-star lineup, if you will, um, to do a bunch of classic rock tunes and put them into a show format. And I went, sounds like a blast. Call me if it ever comes to uh, fruition. And um, I had always wanted to be part of or involved with uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I just love what they do. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, it's kind of that sort of an idea based on a theme kind of a thing. And so this would have been 
I think about September of 2012. And in November of 2012, I get the call from John and he goes, we're actually going to go into rehearsals for about three weeks and plan a show, like a showcase type show uh, at the Mayan Theater in downtown LA. So we went in, rehearsed some, oh my God, almost 40 songs or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, I introduced him to uh, Tracy Guns. I introduced him to Howard Leeds on guitar. And um, we went into the Mayan Theater, out of which came a three-minute sizzle. Um, the show there, that show, particular showcase, was two hours and 40 minutes long. Wow. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but, uh, but we did it, and uh, from that uh, three-minute sizzle, um, the LVH, which was Elvis's own home in, uh, in Vegas, where he performed 358 or 68 sold-out shows, I think, consecutively. They took us on and offered a contract, and that came about in January of 2013, and we started at the LVH in March. And no, I was, I was, I was, and still am. I've lived in LA for 27, almost 30 years. Mm, okay. Uh, with my wife, with my wife and boys, and I continue to do that. I work here, and I have an apartment here, but I, my home is still in LA. Um, and we are now close to a little short of 600 shows, I think. Wow. And yeah. we've, we've already, yeah, we've already covered three years. We're one year uh, at the Tropicana, which is our current uh, home. Uh, we moved out of the LVH, which was bought out by Westgate, a, a, um, a timeshare company. And then we moved up to the Tropicana, and we've been here for for a whole year. And uh, I'm assuming we'll stay a little while longer. Yeah. Now, <laughs> it's Vegas, so you never know, but yeah. we're very happy where we are. Now, was Paul Chartino involved in the beginning as well, or did that only happen when you moved? No, Paul came in at the very beginning. Um as uh, as an added singer. Uh, initially, uh, the band comprised of um, Jay Shellam on drums, who's still with us. Mm -hmm. uh, John Payne on bass is no longer with us. Uh, Hugh McDonald from Bon Jovi is now on bass and has been for some time. Uh, Howard Lees from Heart is our musical director and lead guitarist. Um, Tracy Guns ends his current run tonight. Um, Tracy was with us at the very beginning and Doug Aldridge will come in on Wednesday to nice. start his next, uh, and Doug's been with us, of course, you may or may not know, Doug's been with us for over a year. Yeah. No, um, we've had Doug on the show, Robin, so we're pretty good friends. Yeah. He's, am he's amazing. So Doug comes back in, he's, he's been out doing some stuff with Glenn Hughes. So he comes back in Wednesday, right through to the new year. Um, we have Michael T. Ross, who was with uh, Lita Ford and Missing Persons on keyboards. He's amazing. Um, we have Paul Chortino. We have Mark Bowles now that was with, uh, on vocals, mm -hmm. who was with Ted Nugent mm -hmm. and Inve. Andrew Freeman, uh, that uh, was with George Lynch for a stint, uh, and also uh, with The Offspring, and is currently about to release a video with Last in Line with the original members of Deal with uh, Vinny FPC, um, was that you or me? That phone. Uh, Vinny, um, uh, Jimmy Bain. Vivian and, Campbell. Um, and Vivian Campbell. So yeah. that video, video will be out, I think, on the 17th. Do you have a lot of musicians moving in and out of the show? Or do you have like a, a steady band? Well, we have a steady band per se. The singers have not changed. No. Um but the guitar players have changed because uh, either one of commitments or they prefer to go on a rotation. We also have Rowan Robertson that uh, was on one deal record. That's right, yeah. So Rowan, Rowan um, Doug, and Tracy are in rotation. And then with Howard, because um, Howard continues to be out with Paul Rogers, we have uh, Jason Bonson, who actually, I think, played guitar and bass with Bad Company. Yeah. during uh, Howard's time. So they rotate. Singers pretty much 
We're we're the we're into the long haul. Nobody cares about the singers, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we also have uh, we also have three female singers. We have Sean Coy, who currently is on tour with Meatloaf. Uh, we have Stephanie Calvert, whom I've known for years uh, from uh, Mickey Thomas's Starship, and Stephanie's sub Lily Arce. Um, she's uh, originally a Texas girl and works out of Vegas, and she rotates with her, with yeah. Stephanie, her Starship show. So it's quite a big lineup of musicians um, available to us. So it, it, it works. Uh, we cover 60s, 70s, and 80s okay. uh, in the show. And then we have, we have one actor and two girl dancers who also act. And yeah. they they come in and out between the scenes with little vignettes and storylines and actual um, actual backdrop pictures from 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 the actual times from Woodstock through to Zeppelin, Beatles, all of that stuff. Yeah. Now, Robin, in the beginning, did you get a lot of people going to the show thinking it was going to be like Rock of Ages? We had almost everybody thinking it was Rock of Ages. In actual fact, a lot of no, it's true. In actual fact, a lot of people thought they were coming to Rock of Ages and then went to see Rock of Ages only to find out it's a completely different type of show. Rock yeah. of Ages is more of a of a musical slash love story, more concentrated around two people, and the band is more uh, of a secondary role. They sort of phase in and out. Um, it's not hailed as such, but that's what it is. We are more of a we're more of a concert uh, embedded in a show and the show being the storyline that sort of seg segues you through the 60s, 70s, 80s, tells you the story. It's more of the history of classic rock. And we cover with uh, medleys, et cetera, we must cover close to about 40 songs. Yeah. Show. Now, do you all get together and suggest songs, or like obviously some of them pick themselves? But do you do you do you change around the set much at all? Um, a lot of people ask that very question, and we change it as often as we can, simply because you know those people come to go. Oh, why don't you play Rush? Why don't you play more of this? Why don't you play more of that? And it's really not that simple because. Uh, there's a sequence of lights involved and lasers, and for for any one song to be changed is a major is a major deal. So when we do change, and we have changed it up quite a bit since we started, um, but when we change one element, there's a bunch of other elements have to change with it, and that's uh, that's a lot of downtime because everything has to be queued up, and it's 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 not like you can walk out and go let's do this tonight because You'd be, it would it would look like a shambles. It would be all over the place <laughs> because there'd be a spot up your butt that's not supposed to be there, <laughs> and, and it just wouldn't look very good. So, in answer to the question, yes, we do change it up uh, every so often, and with that comes an entire change from lights to positioning to all of the stuff. Because it is it is first and foremost it is a show, and we like to we like to present it as a show while at the same time it's a rock concert so that kind of hopefully answers your question yeah, yeah yeah i think it is just a cool overall you know overall concept
Now, you know, you mentioned going out with with Michael back in 2012, and that was one of those shows that was definitely was kicking myself uh, that I missed. I went. <laughs> All right, well, where, you. Did you, where did you where did you go, Richie? Uh, the showcase in Foxborough next to the Patriots Stadium. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Cool. And, uh, and yeah, so, a lot of people thought that that was going to be a quote-unquote a Macaulay-Shanker reunion. Hmm. And of course, none, none of that's ever out of the question because everything's timing. It's just... You know, the next phase of something. You better hurry up, though, because <laughs> time <laughs> the clocks are ticking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you, you did do one song. You did Save Yourself in the set, which I was happy with. I know. You know, he covered, um, or at least he did, or we did. We covered a lot of UFO stuff, and, and, and I can say right out the gate, there were a huge amount of people that were pissed off, really. going. They came because they saw me and him together. And they were expecting more songs from what we had done during our period. Mm, right. And they, they, they actually only got one song. They got Savior Sub. The rest was mostly UFO and earlier MSG stuff. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, it goes back to what you said, though, is that, you know, you got, when you were doing that stuff with Michael and that part of his career, got most of that real popular exposure over here in the States. And for a huge amount of the audience here, like they didn't know who UFO even was, you know, it's no, it's no, a very didn't. small fan base, which is unfortunate because it was great tunes. But, uh, but it was, yeah. you know, it, for me, I was just happy to see you guys out doing something, you know, no matter what it was that you were doing, I thought that was really, really good. And the fact that he, you know, made a great album and decided to go out and tour it as well was, was a great thing. But having you along was just kind of a bonus. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I love the UFO stuff. Mm. I mean, Strangers in the Night's got to be, I know Eddie Trunk places it, I think, at the number one slot of his all-time favorite live records. Mm. Uh, uh, and, and quite rightly so, because, because yes, for so many great songs, uh, the band should have been that much bigger, you know, um, with UFO. Yeah. Um, a, huge, a huge catalog of songs, of course, from the Michael Schenker group, period, if you go through all of it. Um, but a lot of people were expecting to hear uh, what they'd seen on MTV and what they'd heard on the radio, and they didn't get that. Right. And, and uh, that, you know, Michael had called me and said, hey, look, we're doing the tour, I'd love you to do it, blah, blah, blah. And then I saw the set list, and I'm going, well, I think a lot of people are going to expect something. But he had played that set. Uh, in Europe, and and he came in and really wasn't about to change too many things. So yeah. <clears throat> there you have it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's always the that's always the Michael Schenker way, right? It's kind of. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, Robin, I do want to get into a little bit uh, before you just got into Michael's group. Um, who 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 hit you up to audition for the band? Can you remember? Oh my God! Uh, um, I was actually uh, we were playing. We were playing in London. We were doing a warm-up show, and we were about to go out, I think, with Sammy Hager, Grand Prix, that is. Mm -hmm. And Sammy was in doing the uh, Standing Hampton tour. And we were doing a warm-up show in London, and Michael came into the show, Cozy Powell, God rest his soul, came to the show, uh, Chris Glenn, who was from, always Michael's bass player, but also from the Alex Harvey band. Mm. And then Andy Nye on keys. So they came into the show. I had a call from Cozy's people the next morning um, that Michael was rehearsing and would really like me to come to the rehearsals. And I said, well, that's really cool, but I'm, about, I'm going on tour tomorrow. So um, I got a huge amount of bad press thinking, <laughs> and this is, this is quote unquote, who the hell is this Irish guy? <laughs> think he is, think he is refusing to join Michael Schenker. And I thought, well, whatever. So, um, it was all of, uh, about four years later that, um, I found myself, uh, with the since dearly departed, uh, filthy animal Taylor, who just passed away a couple of days ago. Yeah. he had left Motorhead together with Ryan Robertson. And uh, when Grand Prix ended, Filthy uh, and Brian and Chris Glenn and myself, we had a thing 
together called uh, Operator. And that we found ourselves, minus Brian, in Frankfurt, Germany, uh, recording a bunch of tracks that later came out of Mausoleum Records uh, under the name of GMT, Glenn McCauley Taylor. And long story endless, um, as a result of some of those tracks, uh, a producer in Frankfurt named Frank Farrigan, who is responsible for all of the Lily Vanilli stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he contacted me and uh, he said, mm, I think it's a very good idea. You come to the studio. <laughs> so I ended up in the, I ended up in the studio um, and he presented Stairway to Heaven to me. And I went, you got to be crazy. You can't do this. You know? And he goes, yeah, I know. But we'll do it anyway. And Bobby Kimball will also be singing on the record with you. I go, well, this is, this is, this is different. And we recorded, and I'll get to the point in a second, with Michael. We recorded Stairway to Heaven in 85. And I think it hit number five or number eight on the British top ten. And it sold over two million singles. Uh, and Rudolf Schenker heard it on the radio and he loved it. And he goes, Who is this guy? Played it to Mike and Michael goes, That's the guy I wanted to join four years ago. Let's track him down. <laughs> so I was actually in England, uh, doing some promo on Stairway to Heaven and they tracked me down and I said, No, guys, come on. We've been through this already. And I was really, I was really, Sincerely, I was really, really, really busy with all of this stuff. And we were doing a huge amount of TV. First TV appearance we did was in Berlin, and Robert Plant was there with his solo project, <laughs> which is a whole different story because there we are performing Stairway to Heaven, and it was the first time he heard about it. <laughs> so, so that needed some explaining, and I was not the one that was going to do the explaining, trust me. Um, but he loved it. Uh, we did a whole bunch of photos with him. And for quite a time afterwards, uh, the English newspapers would always, because I had the best mullet in town at the time, <laughs> and they would compare my mullet to Robert Plant's mullet, and they would start a whole piece of press about that sort of stuff. <laughs> so Rudolf tracked me down. Um, I ended up in his studio with Michael for a weekend. And I was the last of uh, 17 singers. So Klaus Miner and Rudolf Schenker and the management company and Michael um, approached me and said, so look, we'd love you to do this. And I had recorded a bunch of older MSG tunes just as part of the audition, if you will. Mm. And then he had a couple of new ideas that he threw at me and expected me to work on. And because of my, you know, bullheaded Irishness, I went, you know, okay, German. <laughs> so we did it, and they actually made it. One of them made it to um, No Time for Losers. Actually, made it to the Perfect Timing album. Yeah. And I did that. I wrote that like in my hotel room in about twenty minutes. Yeah. I came back to the studio and threw it down, threw a, vo a roof vocal down, and they went, really? So. That's how I got to be with Michael, and we we spent a couple of months writing in Hanover, and our goal was to somehow try and write a song a day. So we came up with eight songs in a very short time, went to Rudolph's studio, um, recorded them, demoed it, and uh, got picked up with EMI very soon afterwards. So yeah. things, things went pretty good. Yeah. Now, Robin, did, did Michael know that you wrote? Um, yes, because he had, we, we shared the same label okay. uh, with Michael Schenker Group uh, and Grand Prix, we, we were all on Christmas records, so we had known each other and would bump into each other and, and all of that sort of stuff, and he liked Grand Prix, and, and uh, so he was watching, I guess he'd been watching from the sidelines, unbeknownst to me, so. Yeah, now, now whose suggestion was it to go from the Michael Schenker Group to the Macaulay Schenker Group? Well, I can tell you it was not mine. Um, I loved, and I told him this, I made it very clear. I loved the MSG logo. I still do. I think it's great. Yeah. Just graphically, I just loved how it sat on the shirt. You know, it's just always, it's right there center. Whether you got a jacket on or what, you can, it's an unmistakable logo. 
And I said, you know, people know you as the Mike and Shanker group. And his whole take was, yes, I know, but um, I've always had to deal with things and take the full load of responsibility myself, and I'm kind of burned out on it. I'd like somebody else to share that. And I went, well, you can still have that. You don't have to change the name. And he goes, no, it's 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 more of a an interest to you if I change the name. And I said, well, good luck with that one. And I left it. I really left it at that. I was back. I was living in London at the time. And he called me and he goes, perfect. You know, Phil Mogg's name started with an M. And I went, mm, you're good at English. And he says, Michael Shanker, you know, there's another M. And Macaulay, there's another M. And I went, you'll get to the point eventually. And he goes, Macaulay Shanker group. And that way we can keep the logo. You get your name in. I'm happy. What do you think? And I said, I think it'll be an absolute nightmare. It's <laughs> And, and I did. I remember. It's. It's. I said it's a mouthful. I think people will be really confused, and I was right. Yeah. People were extremely confused. I mean, when we first released uh, "Perfect Timing," especially here in the states on Capitol Records, oh my God, they had a Michael Schenker group bin. They had a Macaulay Schenker group bin. They had a. You could find it in the UFO bin. You could find it in the Scorpions bin. They were making up all of, I swear, you'd walk into Tower Records, they had all of these. There were like lines of traffic with arrows pointing to each bin. Uh, you know, it's like a map of directions. To the, to the direction. <laughs> you know, the shame yeah. you didn't have MapQuest at the time. <laughs> you turn on your GPS when you go into the shop. Download your, download your, download, download your app. Can we, can we find the latest Michael album? There's an app for that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, and and you know, um, it did cause a lot of problems. Um, I think we we suffered uh, sales wise because of it because people were just confused. Mm, yeah. Thank God for MTV and VH1, but but uh, um, the record company really did have to work overtime to 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 get on top of that one. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, so it is. Yeah, Robin, I want to ask you about, um, we've had James Christian on the show from House of Lords, and of course, uh -huh. he did a, he did a self-titled debut with uh, Andy Johns. Now, you you recorded Perfect Timing with Andy Johns. What are your memories of recording the vocals with him? Oh, my God. Andy was quite a character. All six foot, whatever it was of him. Um, I remember when he first came into Hanover um, to meet with us, uh, Michael and I really liked uh, his production, especially the snare drum, on the Cinderella record that he had just completed. Night First songs. Cinderella record. Yeah, Night Songs. And, uh, yeah, and, and we loved it. <clears throat> so, excuse me, so we had contacted, through the manager, we contacted Andy. Andy came in from L.A., sat with us. We discussed it. Um, we went into rehearsals. And uh, his character and Michael's was... <laughs> It's a story in itself because he goes, oh, hey, man, <laughs> he I heard you were a big drinker. <laughs> and so they would get, so they, and you know, we were trying to keep Michael on the straight and narrow at this point so we could get the job done. And of course, Andy had different plans. And um, we ended up going to, we actually drove from, if you're not familiar geographically, it's quite a way from Hanover in the north of Germany up to Denmark mm. and we drove up to Denmark and, um, it was quite a journey on the way. <laughs> and we, <clears throat> we got into the studio, Puck Studios yeah. in Denmark to start, uh, tracking. And Andy was big on Lou Graham's, um, first solo record. Ready, ready, and, or, ready or not. Yes, and and so he was and was on cassette, and Midnight Blue was of course his big fab fave. So yeah. we get into the studio at about I think about one a.m. in the morning, and he immediately goes into the room, sticks the cassette in, and he played it to breaking point that he blew he blew all the tweeters. <laughs> <laughs> he blew all the tweeters in the studio, so we were down for three days. <laughs> We just got there, and we were now we're down for three days, <laughs> and it was and it was snowing. George Michaels was actually in the A studio next door recording the Space album, and um, uh, working with Andy. I mean, you could really—I'm sure you've heard stories, but 
he he was quite a character and his personality against Michaels wasn't exactly the best <laughs> at the best of times. And that sort of, that would roll with the punches literally yeah. on a day to day basis. And, uh, we were looking to get anything done and we ended up coming to, to, uh, LA and we mixed, uh, we mixed the record here. And of course now he's, he's gone off to the happy hunting ground. God rest his soul. Yeah. But quite a character, um, an amazing drum sound. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I've got the, the snare drum sound because when we started, I'm going, where's the drum sound that we heard on Cinderella? So he, uh, he ordered several bags of sand to the studio and he filled up a sandbox and he brought in an old Western, Smith & Wesson, Cold 45 <laughs> into the studio and he set up a couple of overhead mics and took an old snare drum and set it up as a target and would record the gunshot and trigger it with the snare drum. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and that, and it's perfect because you get perfect gait on it, you know, you know, and it's just, and he would trigger it. And every time you get the snare drum on perfect timing, you hear a cold 45 or whatever it was. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And that's how he got it. And there's this, I don't think it's a secret. I think you can, you can get the sample now. I think I haven't been able to. And that's how he did it. And, and uh, I fired off quite a few rounds in the studio. I'm thinking like it was a security issue. Needless to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you couldn't do it now. Oh, that's no. sure. You could not do it now, but, but oh, those beautiful ladies. Was that the tour you went out with uh, White Snake on? For, for that was promoting? exactly that's the, yes. So that was yes. the they were on the '87 album. So you were doing arenas at that stage. Yes, we were. We were. We did. Uh, I think two or three nights at Wembley. Wow. With with White Snake, and that was with Vivian, Adrian Vandenberg, um, Rudy Sazo, and Tommy Aldridge. Wow. Yeah. Nice. And I remember that uh, Michael had come to me in London, and he said. Um, we need to do something about hair. And I said, you need to do something about hair. I have plenty of hair. <laughs> and he says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about our bass player. And I said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I know of this place that does these, uh, um, 
extensions. And he goes, what are those? And I said, well, <laughs> you can have it any length and any color you want <laughs> at a price. So, of course, Michael being Michael, he goes in and he comes out like, you know, sitting bull. <laughs> he has hair down to his waist. And our bass player now has red, white, and blue hair extensions to match his red, white, and blue stage outfit and his red, white, and blue guitar, bass guitar. And I remember on that White Snake tour when we, when we played Wembley, Kerrang! magazine, we took the headlines completely away from White Snake. And Kerrang! magazine had on their front cover, MSG hit the stage like a hairdresser's nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and I will always remember it, and I still have that copy somewhere in the archives, but I still have it, and I'm going, oh my God, oh my God. Uh, what about the music? What yeah. about the music? <laughs> Robin, there's no such thing as bad press. <laughs> isn't, isn't that a fact? Yeah. But they were they're great times. Those, yeah. those are great, great. Times. Yeah, I, I want to ask you a question about the the third record you did with Michael. Now he ended up with um, James Kotak and Jeff Pilson on that. Um, how did you yeah. end up with those two as the rhythm section? I'm sorry. How did you end up with those two as the rhythm section on that record? Um, I had um, I had gotten to know uh, James and Jeff. We used to hang when we when we were not out on the road. We'd hang at. Uh, a place called the Spice Club in Hollywood. Every Thursday night, and you'd have the late and great Sam Kinison would come in. You, could, you might have Bon Jovi come in. We had Bruce Springsteen come in. We even had Tom Jones and Billy Idol on the same stage one night. <laughs> and Tom stole the show with the best suntan in the house. <laughs> and uh, um, it was just a, a musical hang, and we'd jam and all that sort of stuff. And I loved... Kingdom Comes record. I just stuck out. It was a powerhouse record, irrespective of whether it was, you know, people were saying it was a copy of Zeppelin. It was just so well done. Um, I loved James' powerhouse drumming. I thought he was just awesome. And Jeff, I had known from the Dawkins days, and we would always hang and chat. And um, Michael and I had decided that we might go for a different rhythm section on the last record. Um, and I said, I think I just had the, the right guys. And he was blown away when he goes, how do you get these guys? I want that. You, you need to hang in the right places. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, we got James and Jeff in and, and, uh, they've been the best great friends ever since. In fact, Jeff, Jeff, um, was a uh, witness at our, our, uh, our wedding. Oh, yeah, so I'm Jeff's a very, very dear friend. Yeah, and we, James, yeah. I just James, I just saw recently because Scorpions came through. Uh, uh, us too. We just saw we James saw. recently too. I was going to say you couldn't pick two nicer guys for rhythm section because oh, Jeff just, and James are both friends of the show, and and uh, I mean both of them were just they're such gracious hosts and just such good guys. And I mean to be oh, in a band with those guys, I mean that's going to be amazing. Powerhouse, an absolute powerhouse. Plus, um, when I. My wife, uh, my wife is from Vienna. She's from Austria, hmm. and we were twin boys. And on the first Lynch Pilsen record, um, if you ever, if you have it, or you dig oh, it up. I've oh, got no, it. we got it's it. Fantastic. There's two little boys on there, and those are our boys. Oh, on the inside cover. They're yeah, those boys. are my boys. Right. Those are my boys. Okay. And uh, and my son Jamie, the blonde one, um, George wanted them to. Uh, Use his, you know, his famous skull guitar. And Jamie, Jamie was not having any of it. <laughs> he, 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 yeah. ended, he ended up with with a, with a blow up guitar instead. Yeah, <laughs> funny. And uh, my other son Casey is actually a great guitar player and a saxophone player. And yeah. they're, they're sixteen. They're twins. They're six. They're uh, fraternal twins. Yeah. No, um, no. But, but but he rips on guitar. He's he's, he's awesome. Yeah, now we did a we did a career chat with Jeff a while back, and I brought up the MSG album that that he did, and he said right. one of the things he regrets is that the jams that the, the band did. He said he wished he had the tapes of those. He said the jams are unbelievable. Yeah, it was it was just it was awesome. I mean, it was it was really awesome, and you know he's turned out to be. I'm so happy that he's been for such a long time, and Foreigner is perfect, and he's a great engineer and producer. Also. Yeah, oh, yeah. great. 
Yeah. Production-wise, he's just amazing. Everything he's done with his pro- as a producer has just been incredible. Yeah. In fact, he produced the new Last of Nine stuff, so. Mm, that's right. Yeah, they recorded it on his place, so. Yeah, so do you, yeah. just to just to finish up, Robin, I know you gotta you gotta go to the show. Um, do you have a favorite um, album you did with Michael of of the three? Ooh, um, perfect timing was interesting, but yeah. we felt we felt that um, no disrespect to Andy Jones, we felt that it lacked. It was a little high endy. A lot of people criticize it, and I think save yourself. Save Yourself was, was, was a good record. Yeah. Great working with, with uh, Frank Filippetti. Um, I love that man. He's such a great producer. Um, I think out of the three, uh, there's some terrific songs on the last record. Yeah. Probably better songs than there is on Save Yourself. Um, uh, Save Yourself, I think, was, was probably more of a, a kicker for us. Um, song-wise, the last one with Pilsen and Kotak. Um, de- definitely song-wise, I think is better. But save yourself, save yourself. I probably would 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 peak as my favorite of all the three. Yeah. And save yourself. Is, it's such a great track to perform live. It's just. Yeah. I mean, you know, we used to open the show with save yourself, and when Schenker starts to play that riff, it's like, hello, he's here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's killer. And 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 when we were when we did the twenty twelve. I mean, when he plays that thing, it's like, it's like time stood still. He's just, he's a perfectionist. He loves, that's just how he likes it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I love, I love performing that with him. It's yeah. Great. This one, I'm, I'm terrible at this. I have one final question. <laughs> the unplugged album, yeah. the unplugged record, Robin, uh, on, on the, yeah. in, on the inside of that, uh, why was the album delayed? Cause it said on the notes that you were really pissed off cause the album got delayed. Oh Lord. There's a question that I can't even remember why. Um, <laughs> No, it's true. It's true. Um, I don't know why, actually. I don't. I don't even remember those liner notes. Yeah, it said you got, um, said you got a lot of downtime. Michael went and did contraband, and you went out and did an acoustic tour. That did. That is right. That is right. Thanks for reminding me. Yes, Michael did do contraband, um, and there was also some talk of, uh, I think at the time, a, a reunion with UFO, which at the time did not materialize, mm. but, but it took time out of the project to, to go forward. Um, the unplugged when it did finally kick in lasted over nine months between here and Europe. And, um, by far one of the best times we ever had, because it was a great way to strip. And I think it's a great record. There's, there's, it, it what you hear is exactly what we did. Like, mm. Um, and I think that's one of the very few records that anybody could actually, uh, lay claim to that. And, and as far as unplugged is concerned, it really was an unplugged record because there was just Michael on guitar, um, Spencer Serkin playing six and 12 string. <laughs> I played tambourine. Yay. <laughs> I was hoping, I was, I was hoping to get a bower on in there, but there was no room. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't play, you don't play bagpipes, Robin, no? I know, I know, <laughs> and, and and all 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 other. Um, uh, actually, I prefer Ellen pipes over the bagpipes. All oh, right, that's such a hell of an instrument. Yeah, but <laughs> but um, most other unplugged records, especially when you saw them on MTV, came in with a plethora of musicians, mm. and and they came in with percussion, and they came in with the whole nine yards, and they go, well, it's unplugged, kinda. And I think just for what we did, it's huge. It's hmm. huge. Yeah, it's great. And, and, and I loved every minute of that, uh, that little road trip that we had because it, it was a great way to strip down those songs and let people hear really how they were written. And, and the rest was just production, really. Yeah. So, did, did so that, you, was a, that, was a, that was a great time. Yeah. Did you, know the, did you know after that then that you were finished at Michael? Or was it a surprise when it ended? Oh, it was no surprise. Um, um, if you were living in LA at the time, you you would fully comprehend the fact that that Seattle was now on fire with grunge music, and soon to follow with alternative music, all out of that part of the country. Mm-hmm. And anything that smelled of eighties rock, 
the industry really hoped that you would go away, die, and never, ever, ever come back. And that really was the state of the industry. There was no room for classic rock. It was gone dead, and we could have gone on. There, there would have been no place for us or anybody else. And, and, and I hate to pick their name out of the bag here, but Metallica at the time, they, cut, they chopped all their hair off. Well, you remember that? Oh, yeah. And they sort of went into this sort of let's blend in because we kind of looked back at them and it's like, yeah, no, you won't. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, and a lot of bands started to do that just to change their image to fit in. And they didn't belong. Nobody belonged except Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and, and all of the above, which to this day are probably the only two really good bands that came out of the entire thing. Yes, Nirvana came out of there. Let's not forget that, you know, and everything that Dave Grohl has done in the meantime. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was not unreminiscent of the punk era. You know, what do we remember? The Sex Pistols. Yeah. Why? Because they took it to the extreme. And that's what we, that's what I remember punk as being. Yeah. Not all of the other stuff. And there was lots of great punk bands. And I loved that whole thing. I was living in London while all that was going on. Um, but it kind of was reminiscent a little bit to me of that. And I went, this will come and this will go very fast. And it was, you know, everybody's parents were at fault for, for all the lyrics and that sort of whole vocal sound. It was like, huh? <laughs> really? And, you know, lo and behold, thank God for Las Vegas, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, I always say it's where the dinosaurs have finally come home to rest. <laughs> but it's, it's funny, you know, uh, um, I think, you know, sitting in your radio station that everything just goes 360. It'll come yeah. round, stop and it'll come round again. And it's, you know, it's like the hands of the clock. Yeah, but Robin, a good song is a good song is a good song. And it, it is. I, 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 did you hear me quote that? Because that's one of my no. <laughs> that's one of my favorite quotes. Okay. A good song is a good song and a good song. You can't deny it. And that and it doesn't matter what genre it is. And I, I think I've always um, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to be totally biased when I say this, but I think a lot of my Irish upbringing, um, because there was not that much access to rock radio, especially during the day, that we heard all genres and, and it allowed you to listen to I mean I grew up listening to Motown as often as I could because I couldn't hear anything else. Mm. But I, I I grew to love it. It was my biggest influence long before I could listen to rock music and then Rory Gallagher stepped into the uh, Thin Lizzy stepped in on I'm going, Oh boy, it's over and then I heard Paul Rogers and I'm going, Now it's really over <laughs> You know, and 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 thank God for all of that. But um, I think you just have to be very open-minded when it comes to music. I mean, there's so much of it. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to listen to it all? Yeah. You know, and there's a couple of exceptions, but we won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Awesome. So, but um, I, I just I'm I'm very fortunate. I'm blessed. I love what I do. And it won't last forever, but in the meantime. <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're very fortunate that you're, you're still out there and doing it and still, you know, making people, you know, sit up and take notice, which is, uh, which is pretty amazing. Well, I appreciate that. Um, um, I'm very fortunate. I, I, I feel very fortunate. I've, I've managed to um, take care of my voice. It still does what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, and, and that's, that's a saving grace. You know, I rely heavily on my instrument, and uh, I can only do that if I take care of it. So, yeah. mm -hmm. so Robin, where do we, where can people hit you up online? Are you on Twitter? You have a website? You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on robinmcauley.com. Uh, Facebook also has my official page linked to it. Um, I'm all over the place. And, of course, you can go directly to readingtherockvault.com. And okay. we are live local on late breaking in Vegas every Wednesday through Monday, eight o'clock show at the new Tropicana. Okay. And it's a blast. It's an absolute blast. If you guys come to town, hit me up. 
I'd love to have you guys down. Yeah, awesome. I'd love to. Go, we can yeah, do a two for now, because that's what Paul yeah. said, too. When you get to Vegas, you got to hit me up. I'll take you down. Yeah, so. you hit me up and come down and, and meet the guys and, you know, do the whole photo op thing. It's a blast. You, you, you love it. It's just it's just a complete goof. Awesome. But it's a great it's a great show, and uh, you're going to... You're it doesn't matter which guitar player is there. You're going to go, this is pretty cool. Wow. Excellent. Cool. It's been a blast to uh, finally get to talk to you and uh, get some questions answered that we've always been wondering about. And, of course, Richie's always, you know, fired up. Whenever we talk to somebody who's from the homeland, he's yeah, like, definitely. woohoo. So it's like, he can never say no if he's got an Irishman on the show. <laughs> Fly those, keep, keep those colors alive, Richie, okay? I will. I will, Robin. <laughs> All right. God bless you. All right, God take care of yourself. Guys. All right, have a good right. show. Thank you both okay. so much. No, no problem, Robin. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Metalheads, that is a wrap for another week of Focus on Metal. Hope you enjoyed that talk we had with Robin McCauley. Big thanks to Richie for setting that one up. And, of course, you can go up to iTunes and check out Robin's re-recording of the song anytime off of the Save Yourself album. And uh, check that one out, like I said, on iTunes. And, of course, if you are in Vegas, you want to swing by and check out Raiding the Rock Vault. Everyone we've talked to about that show has had nothing but cool things to say about it. So I think probably something well worth checking out if you happen to be in Vegas. So as always, remember to keep up with us at FocusOnMetal.net. You can find all of our old episodes there. And you can also head over to FocusOnMetal.blogspot.com. We do all of our news releases, show notes, all that good stuff is up on as I said, focusonmetal.blogspot.com. Either one of those sites will also give you the links to all of our social media sites, which include Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and even our iTunes links. And although I don't say it very often, if you are listening to us on iTunes, do us a favor and take a brief second to leave a comment there. They always will help the show. And last but certainly not least, remember to check out all the rest of the podcast over at BlastSyndicate.com. Yes, our podcasting brothers over there continue to churn out great metal and hard rock content. So I urge you guys to check out all of those folks over at BlastSyndicate.com and get blasted. So with all of that being said, that's a wrap. So for Richie, myself, and everyone else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a good metal week. Make sure to go up to MartinPopoff.com for all of your holiday book needs. And until we talk to you again next time, remember... Focus on metal! Everything else is insignificant.
You're still here? It's over. Go home.